listening to a University of Kentucky College of Arts and Sciences podcast. Christina Pattison is a doctoral student in the Department of Psychology. Pattison has been working with animals for most of her life, and her research reflects that. In this podcast, Pattison talks about her work studying animal cognition patterns and a few practical ways this research can be applied to animals, as well as its implications for humans. I'm Christina Pattison. I'm an experimental psychology doctoral student. And so what parts of experimental psychology do you study? We study comparative cognition in my lab, so that means we're interested in animal analogs for human cognitive processes and the ways those are the same and the way that those are different. I'm interested in two main lines of research. One of those is self-control and what some of the uh, basic underpinnings of those processes are. And then secondly, I study what we would call the cool word for it would be suboptimal choice or maladaptive choice. It just means kind of making irrational or the wrong decisions (laughs) in situations where the correct decision should be really obvious. We study the suboptimal choice with pigeons and with dogs from the community, and then we study willpower with dogs from the community. Okay, so what does your research look like for suboptimal choice studies? So some of the stuff that we've done recently are sunk cost. You may be familiar with the idea that you shouldn't throw good money after bad. It's one of the things that people say. Um, And we see this happen a lot of times with corporations and politicians who continue to put money into projects that'll never be profitable or never fulfill the initial goal. We're interested in it because (laughs) there seems to be a, a biological underpinning to that behavior. So we asked some pigeons if they had invested prior resources in a very simple task if they would prefer to continue investing resources in that area or move to a new more profitable for them and when you're a pigeon profit is seed so (laughs) a more rewarding area and we found to simplify some long line of fairly complex research we found that the birds also have a predisposition to stay on a task that they started it's really interesting and it Sometimes one of the things that uh, we find out in comparative studies is that a lot of the things that we think are highly human have a real common basic mechanism. So we're not sure exactly what's in play with uh, birds having that same kind of sunk cost fallacy issue that humans have, and we're studying that further, but that's the general idea. And then with willpower, we did an interview with Holly Miller about two years ago, and is this the same line of research that you're working on? Right. So Holly and I are still working on this, and Holly's in France now, interestingly enough. But the dog lab that she and I and Dr. Zental started still goes on, and uh, we have dogs that come in and do lots of interesting experiments. We were interested in this idea that if you become depleted, if you exercise a lot of self-control in one area, it limits your ability to exercise self-control in subsequent tasks in that time frame, in that immediate time frame. People often illustrate this by saying, you know, you notice you always break your diet at the end of the day, and we call that depletion. That is probably an energetic process that's largely controlled by glucose levels in the brain. So it's not that people who are breaking their diets just lack willpower. It's actually controlled by the amount of energy that you have available in your brain. So you can stop blaming yourself (laughs) for that and start thinking about ways you can kind of buffer these depletion effects. Dogs have those same effects. If they exhibit a lot of self-control, 
they subsequently can't persist on a puzzle. They just don't have the energetic resources to for their mind to work on their puzzle. So the initial research was just about that mental energy and whether glucose replenished that energy, and it does, interestingly enough. We've also been studying aggression and whether depletion results in the dogs behaving more aggressively. It seems that depletion results in people behaving somewhat more aggressively, and it turns out that the dogs are similarly unable. This paper is coming out in Psychonomic Bulletin Review, I think, next month, where we depleted the dogs first by having them do a stay without anybody in the room, so they're having to control themselves without anybody else around, and then we introduced them to a situation where there was an aggressive dog. Well, the aggressive dog, I should say, by the way, is just an actor, a very good actor, (laughs) but it's been trained to bark and jump around and seem aggressive. It's contained behind a fence and all so that nobody can get hurt, don't worry. And so we're interested in how close or far away to that aggressive dog they would get because their normal response would be to avoid the dog. And interestingly enough, the dogs that had to hold the stay themselves were much more likely to approach the aggressive dog and spent more time in close proximity to that dog over a five-minute test period. How do you hope to apply this research? Well, I think that the willpower research especially has a high applied value for dogs in general. This informs how we train dogs for working for us, service dogs or military dogs. A lot of what we ask dogs to do is an inhibitory thing. So understanding how to augment inhibition and how inhibition works in dogs in general has just a big applied value. We also study in our lab uh, some maladaptive gambling behavior with pigeons and dogs both, which is another kind of suboptimal choice. And those have some pretty big applied sides too. The gambling stuff obviously has implications for problem gamblers. But more than that, understanding risky choices in general tends to get some attention from people who are interested in that for more applied reasons. It's become fairly evident over the last few decades that assuming that humans act rationally or optimally, (laughs) and you should probably air quote rationally and optimally in, in all situations, is false. People don't act rationally. They think they do, and they may come up with explanations for why they do, but they act fairly predictably in non-rational ways, and often in suboptimal ways. So it's interesting to see how people take what we do and kind of apply that to real-world situations where they're trying to help people control these suboptimal decisions. Thanks for listening, and thanks to the College of Arts and Sciences and the Psychology Department for making this podcast possible. 